the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And as we head into Hour 3, it is a delight to welcome back sometime guest host, but full-time representative of Arizona's <laughs> Congressional 6th District, David Schweikert. I'd know that laugh anywhere. How are you, sir? So has management made it clear that you're never allowing me to guest host again? No, I'd love to have you back. It's just that uh, <laughs> it's just that I can I got to find a place I can go where there's a lot of freedom, David. And I don't know if leaving yeah. Arizona is a good idea. <laughs> oh, it is such lunacy out there. You know, and and forgive me, I, I should say I landed. I got back to D.C. about two hours ago, and now I'm racing up the I-17. Um, so I'm a few miles south of Black Canyon City, so no worries. I think we'll have good cell coverage. For uh, a while. And we will forgive you if you don't, of course, because I want you busy, as you know. I want you doing those things, but I love checking in and hearing from from you uh, weekly, sir. Uh, happy to do it more too. But uh, Congressman Schweiker, let, let me start this way, and we can talk about the three point five. We can talk about any number of things, but I, this just stood out to me today. Uh, your president and mine was talking about moving the goods that are stuck at the ports, particularly in Southern California. And he, he said something interesting. He said, this is one of the reason I, one of the reasons I think it's so important to get the infrastructure plan passed. He had that opportunity, by the way, a month ago to do that. He chose not Look, to, best I can it. read. But take two steps backwards. Please. Okay. Yeah. An, inf- an infrastructure plan is ultimately a decade. For uh, you know, port improvement. <laughs> yeah. The for us out here in the West, the Alameda corridor. Um, so the Democrats have broken much of the supply chain. And look, we have to give COVID some of the responsibility. Sure. But the incentives to not work, the incentives to basically finance consumption instead of production, which is the difference between Keynesian economics and supply side. Right. You are right now seeing why supply side, because you're living a Keynesian nightmare of inflation, product shortages, backup, because you now you handed out lots of money, but you didn't actually help American companies and workers make things. You actually incentivize them not to actually participate in the labor force. And so now you have this weird thing where millions, of Americans are dropping out of work. They've just quit. They've disappeared. Will you dust off for us your Milton Friedman for a moment and explain why to our audience, who probably doesn't need it as much as the mainstream media and the Democratic yeah, Party? Yeah, no, no. I was just going to say, tell us what, when, when you have decade-high inflation, which I think is what we're at, I think it's the highest in a decade, when you have decade-high oh, no, inflation... No, it, it, it's worse. It, it may it may be coming in. It may be three decades since we were running at these numbers. It's always worse than I say, isn't it? It's always worse than I say, David. What does when you have decades or three decades 
record inflation on the books. What what would what would be done to inflation if you injected, let's say, another five or six trillion dollars into government spending into the economy? Look, uh, in, in many ways, what you would just do is you would institutionalize it. Okay. And for many of us who are very fearful of living the nineteen late nineteen seventies all over again, where you basically you flatline the economy. So we've already seen the data saying all the tax hikes, all the transfer payments, basically, you know, flatline or reduce the size of our economy. So meaning by the end of the decade, American workers, the working poor, are poorer. And now you add an inflation on top of that. And by the end of this year, if you're a working man or woman in this country, you will be poorer. Even though your wages may have gone up, the money you have to spend to buy your your rent, buy your food, buy your fuel, you will be poorer. And this is a classic case of you're, you're now living um, Democrat economics. You're now living in Democrat economics where uh, Margaret Thatcher put it well, too, didn't she? They don't, the, the, the left doesn't want to make the poor richer. They want to make the rich poorer. And in the meantime, the middle class gets hurt the most of all, because right now and you're focusing on this on Twitter, and I'm glad you are. You're talking about we're talking about the real headache, worse than headache. The real real problem for is small businesses right now when they can't hire, when they can't keep afloat and customers who get upset. Right. Rightfully. And 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 yet needing some understanding, but rightfully expecting a level of service that they had become accustomed to that they may never get again. Oh, it, and look, I, I, I'll harken back to 2018, 19, where you created an economy where individuals were coming back into the labor pool that we had written off, that we thought were never coming back. Right. Wages were going up, but there was almost no inflation. Right. And so you, you actually saw the poor getting dramatically less poor. Right. Our fear right now is we still have massive amounts of cash floating around in the system, sitting in bank accounts, sitting on, you know, on government books. The, the Federal Reserve has been functionally financing Congress's bad act. When they buy 60% of U.S. sovereign debt, they, Congress would have to deal with the reality that they're floating so much debt that key individuals and the rest of the world start to get skeptical of buying U.S. bonds, we would see the interest rates go up. But now we have artificially low interest rates. So if you are a saver, you are saving for your kids, you're saving for your you're out there working, you're, your savings are becoming worth, worth less, um, inflation is eating away your purchasing power, and we're, many of us are very fearful the Democrat transfer payment plan we already know from lots of data out of Europe that it, it ends what they call social mobility. Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm lower working class today, but I'm going to work my hiney off and my little air conditioning business by the end of the decade. I'm in the you know middle or upper middle class. Right. And that ends in, in countries that do this type of social entitlement. And it turns out that some of the extreme poverty rates go away, but we've already done a really good job at that. But the actual poverty statistics barely change at all. 
You just made it more comfortable to live in your misery. Uh huh. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. But it has another element to it as well, maybe for people not in the United States. But the engine that rescued that deprivation and poverty of so many millions and millions of people in Africa over the last two decades was driven by an America and an economy here that was able to help them and promote that there. And that's going away. It's a lot more than Africa. It's in Asia. Yeah, I should have said Asia as well. It's it's the world. And and understand, um, our GDP has crashed. Um, GDP now, if any of you ever really like economics, go download the Atlanta Fed GDP Now app. It will tell you the current snapshot as of today is GDP is at 1.3%. When we started this year, we were thinking we might be lucky enough to get close to six. Yep. Shows you something's horribly wrong. And those numbers may not mean a lot to you. Massive amounts of economic vitality because it builds on itself. You bet. And builds on itself. It's like compounding interest. And that's the wealth of your nation. That's the wealth of working people. Um, it's the opportunity and it's the growth and it's the real measurement of economic health, actually. And the word yeah, anemic and, doesn't begin to cover the number you just said. And so we're living in really, really dangerous economics right now. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm typically very optimistic. Yep. You know, I, I believe I'm someone like you in that. But right now, it, it, we're throwing everything we can to stop this lunacy that the Democrats are trying to push forward. And if we don't stop it, um, I think we find ourselves digging ourselves through a pretty tough recessionary cycle over the next um, year. The medicine of which the left will tell us will be more socialism. Of course. Yeah, okay. And, and, And there's actually, oddly enough, you hit something that you and I need to help conservative activists who often want are mad and want to burn things down. And we need them to do that thought experiment. When was the last time there was that sort of social upheaval and government got smaller? Huh. Oh, I guess I could waste the rest of this minute trying to find the answer to that, but I think it's never. Yeah, it's never. So our, 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 our problem often is, is that we get angry, we get frustrated, and we sort of want to burn the place down instead of doing the harder thing which is march up and say, there's a much better way to go. There's a way that helps the working poor. It helps the middle class. It helps entrepreneurship and provides a future for my six-year-old daughter. Um, But all those solutions, none of them are in the Democrat playbook right now. Nope, nope, nope. All right, David, I'm not sure where you're headed, but take your playbook wherever you go. I love it. Uh, it, you, You know the nature of... Being in politics. Yes, and there's a lot of great restaurants on the I-17. I'll tell you about a few on the other side if you want. David Schweiker, bless you, sir. Until next week. That's always a fun concert, Jimmy Buffett. I think I've been to three of them. I'll tell you about another great concert. Those are fun. Let me give you a great concert that's going to be fun and for a really good cause. 
It's a salute to American veterans. It's November 6th at the Auction Pavilion, November 6th, a salute to American veterans. Big and Rich will be there, Aaron Lewis, Eddie Montgomery of uh, Montgomery Gentry, and more. And the next caller here gets two free general admission tickets. Next caller, 602-508-0960. Thank you to The Power of Fives, thepowerofives.com, for sponsoring it. If you aren't the lucky first caller, there are tickets available, of course, still at thepowerofives.com. Just hit slash event or November 6th concert. Picking up off of what David Schweikert and I were just talking about, Blessedly, Stephen Moore did something right on point, and most recently, with our good friends at Prager University. Bill, would you let Stephen Moore have the floor? I'm here to collect your $600,000 share of the national debt. What? We don't have $600,000? I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to your baby. Have a nice life. This isn't a made-up horror story. It's real. It is the unpaid credit card bill our kids and our grandkids are facing. Money they didn't spend, but will have to pay. The Democrats point their finger at the Republicans. The Republicans point back at the Democrats. The truth is that the politicians of both parties have brought us to the edge of this financial cliff. They say they're spending all this money with the best of intentions. The trillions are needed to end hunger and reduce inequality, provide everyone with free health care, and save the planet from global warming. But there's no way around the simple math. You can't spend what you don't have. Not indefinitely. Debts have to be repaid. We've been sweeping this problem under the proverbial rug for decades, but now we're running out of rug. During the year of the COVID crisis, a Republican president, Donald Trump, approved a massive increase in government spending. His reasoning went like this. We shut down the economy. We have to help people out. Did he go too far? Well, maybe. But just about everyone agreed something had to be done. Then Joe Biden, a Democrat president, entered the White House and called for $1.9 trillion in additional spending, even though $1 trillion of the previous COVID relief money had not yet been spent, and even though the economy was already well on the way to recovering. Then the new president quickly asked for another $1.1 trillion for infrastructure, which used to mean projects like roads, bridges, and airports, but now includes giveaways like electric car charging stations for Tesla owners. By the way, 19 Republican senators joined the Democrats. Nobody is blameless. But wait, that only turned out to be President Biden's opening bid. He put another $3.5 trillion in spending on the table for a whole slew of goodies. Free childcare, free community college, student loan forgiveness, expanded Medicare and Medicaid, vast subsidies for green technology, and on and on. Add all this extra spending and you arrive at $6 trillion. Yes, that's a six with 12 zeros after it. This is a level of spending we have never seen before. The numbers are so big, it's impossible to grasp. But to offer a little perspective, consider this. $6 trillion is more money adjusted for inflation than we spent on the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, World War I, World War II, 
the Louisiana Purchase, the Transcontinental Railroad, the Interstate Highway System, and the moon landing combined. Normally, we borrow money as a nation during a period of crisis. Then when the crisis ends, we start to pay down the debt. What the progressive left wants to do is launch the biggest spending spree in American history after the crisis is over. What's looming ahead, however, is a new crisis, a nuclear-sized debt bomb. Our multi-trillion dollar national debt was bad enough before all this proposed spending. But progressive politicians and some economists tell us we have nothing to worry about. All we need to do is tax the rich. But there aren't enough millionaires and billionaires to pay this kind of bill. Or they say, as long as China keeps buying up our debt, we're fine. We can spend all we want. But do we really want to be in debt to the Chinese for trillions of dollars? They aren't exactly our best friend. And what if there is so much debt, the Chinese and other nations can't buy all of it, even if they wanted to? You know what happens then? The U.S. government is forced to buy its own debt. This just means we print money to pay our bills. If your common sense tells you that's crazy, that's because it is. If printing money could make a nation rich, then Argentina, Venezuela, and Zimbabwe would be among the richest nations in the world. You don't have to be an economist to know that printing money is the perfect recipe for serious inflation. And inflation is a prosperity killer. It shrinks what you can buy with your paycheck, and it eats away at your savings. In the 1970s, prices rose so fast that the economy crashed and unemployment soared. Things were so bad, economists created a misery index, inflation plus unemployment, and that hit 20%. And today, prices for everything from gas to food are on the rise again. Once inflation gets going, it's hard to stop. Runaway inflation leads to financial ruin. This is what happened after World War I in Germany, for example. The debts were so high and the currency so debased that women had to bring wheelbarrows full of bills to the grocery store to pay for food. And we know where that led. If that's not the future we want for our kids, we need to stop the wild spending and defuse the debt bomb. The sooner the better. I'm Stephen Moore, economist of Freedom Works for Prager University. Thank you, Stephen Moore. Thank you, Prager University. Um, when Stephen was talking about Weimar, the wheelbarrows full of cash, it's an it's it's an interesting historical note to remind ourselves that up until the post World War One Germany, after a few other countries, but not many. Weimar may have been one of the most free, politically free societies on earth. Not may have been, was. If not top five, top ten. You can lose it. You can lose it. Ronald Reagan says 30 years. Germany could do it faster. We can do it faster, too. We're watching it. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. That's a voice you don't mistake for anyone's else. I guess that's pretty much true of most singers these days, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's true. It's. I mean, you don't mistake most singers' voices for others, do you? Anyway, that's the great Rod Stewart. 
Uh, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. The endless present, that's what matters to the progressive left or the socks, if you will, the English socialists or just the socks. if George Orwell were alive today. That's probably what he would call the party here, AMSOC, the American Socialist Party. Uh, that's what he called it in 1984, what they want us to go through. When we change our statues, our history, our books, we will have nothing more than a loop of the endless present as the party wishes it. We've covered, Bill, I don't know, conservatively four major issues today, maybe five, I'm not sure. And maybe each of those has some sub-issues to it, but four or five major headline issues today. And here's one I you know, have in my stack. Let's add a let's add a sixth, I suppose. At least one hundred and sixty thousand illegal immigrants have been released into the US by the Biden administration this year. At least a hundred and sixty thousand. According to a leaked document from the Border Patrol obtained by Fox News. Do we not have a problem already with getting Americans the benefits they need, particularly our veterans? Have all our veterans been taken care of? Is there no issue with veterans' health, veterans' health care, veterans' benefits, and beyond the veterans, and sometimes including the veterans? Have we solved the problem of employment in this country? Have we solved the problem with employment in this country of legal citizens and legal immigrants? Have we solved that problem? Are we good with it? Have we solved the problem of crime, and violent crime, and gangs, and cartels? Have we solved that problem? Are we good with it? Have we solved the problem of substance use in this country and the flow of Particularly illegal fentanyl or fentanyl, just call it fentanyl. Don't need to add illegal to it. Fentanyl into this country was 90,000 deaths last year due to substance use, a number we can get used to. Never had that number before, never. We were panicked at 80 and happy to get it down to 70, too high still. 90,000 just comes and goes, and we just keep marching forward. It's not a porous border. It's not porous. Porous intimates that there are holes that are exceptions that allow things through. There is effectively no border control right now. I'm not diminishing the good and great work of those who are trying to do something about it who are, are you know our border and customs patrol but they answer to they answer to the the federal government that employs them and instead of protecting the border they are there to process people coming through the border illegally they watched them come i watched them come you go there you watch them come illegally and go right to the tents the federal government established so that they can be processed. Not to go back to their country, but to be given 
a court date, which on their own recognizance, of course, they will abide by. That's why Mark Krikorian says, well, that and other reasons is why Mark Krikorian says that about 50% of our illegal immigration problem is not that's that which is coming presently and before our very eyes, but that which is here illegally and has overstayed, haven't shown up for their court, have overstayed their travel visas, etc. Are we good with all this? Are we? What has Build Back Better meant? Chinese? Iranians, the Iranian government, I should say, Chinese government, illegal immigration, cartels, crime, and COVID deaths. They've all been built greater, higher. At some point, I want him to remember Build Back Better was about America. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. There's an old friend, Smitty in Scottsdale. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing really well, despite the fact that my country is very unwell. Oh, I uh, totally agree. So, Smitty, you're, uh, I, meaning no offense, I think it's true to say or fair to say you, you have... Wonder you're you're just a hair older than me. Have you remembered any time like this in American history? Uh, no. I li- look. I lived through the Cuban Missile Crisis, I uh, and the Cold War, and Vietnam, and all the civil unrest. Um, no. Uh, the 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 biggest difference is the fish rots from the head, and we have a rotten fish in the White House. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, so the messaging, the uh, forgetting about the, edi- the the rulings of the Supreme Court, the rule of law, all is abandoned. The name of his uh, secretary for, of defense. Yes. <laughs> all of these. Yeah. Yeah. Please. So, you know, uh, I don't know if you caught uh, the uh, the piece of uh, Senator Graham at the border, at the Yuma border. No, I Yuma missed crossing. it. No, Lindsey Graham. Whoa, whoa! It's it's while we're all focused on Del Rio. Yeah. Uh, the the, the uh, caravans have all been focused and redirected to Yuma. Oh, good. I will watch. Uh, not oh, good, but I'm glad for the tip. I'll watch it. I'll find the video tonight, or if you send it to me. So there, know. there is a monstrous uh, caravan yeah. heading towards the Yuma crossing. And, uh, you know, so so we need some leadership. Governor Ducey's been pretty fairly good about things. And I think the message should be now, before they get there, call up the National Guard, make it clear what their mission is, let everybody know illegals, Crossing the border are not welcome in Arizona, and we're going to put the National Guard 100 feet behind the Border Patrol. And as they release the illegals, we're going to arrest them, and we're going to return them. Don't bother coming to Yuma. That's the message well in advance, and, and let these people get the message. That, 
I think that's better than being reactive and trying to deal with 65,000 people at the border. I, listen, I think it's more humanitarian than what's being done right now. Clearly. I think it's far Clearly. more humanitarian. Look, you have a situation where you know people are coming here based on certain concepts, certain notions that we are a magnet and, and, and have opened the place for them. And that's why they are, you know, they're they're just following the process. When you go down the border, it's really a shocking thing to do. I, I, I if you haven't been there or, or seen a video of it, it's an amazing, banal Look. process. People just walk across. They're not running. When I went there three years ago with Andy Biggs, they were running from CPB. Now, right. last time I went there with Andy Biggs, they're walking towards CPB because CPB has to process them, not arrest them and turn them back. That's a federal Correct. government thing, not a you thing or a me thing or a CPB thing. Yeah. And, and look, I grew up in Miami. I have a big heart for the Haitians. I, I was on the beach seeing 25 in a little rowboat row come to shore. I understand the situation in Haiti. And anybody who escapes Haiti and, and uh, wants to claim asylum has has a case I want to listen to. That's not what happened locate, here, though. That it, right? You know, yeah, I no, think you're right, 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 right. Go ahead, right. You didn't let me finish. No, I know, but you're for right. For those who've you're already right. relocated to South America and are living there, they have no asylum claim anymore. And, and so they're in the same bunch as everybody else, just wanting a better economic opportunity. I, I love the idea. Come in legally. We have a process for that. And let's get back to the rule of law, because I think, you know, the border and the rule of law is just something that it permeates all of every all the issues across America. Law and order in Chicago, law and order in Philadelphia and, and New York City, uh, everything. If you're you know, if the government's not going to follow the, the law, why should I? Voting? Why should I follow the voting laws if nobody else does? Well, why? I mean, well, it just yeah. is horrible. <laughs> right. right. Horrible. No, no. Well, uh, let's see. How did I do it the other day? It's a Latin phrase that I learned from Steve, who learned it from my friend Steve, who learned it from Bill, Bill yeah. Buckley. Did you know that phrase? Mu Quad licit lovi, non licit jovi. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I go with mutatis mutandis. You really yeah, necessary changes being made. I forgot that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll give you another one as yeah. long as we're in Latin class today. Fiat justicia ruat colem. Let justice be done, though the right. heavens may fall. The heavens in this case are the Democratic Party. Yeah. Let so, justice uh, be done. Uh, That's uh, all we want. We want justice and we want humanitarianism. And what we're doing now so is cruel. I, I want you to think about another issue. I, I spoke with somebody today who's, who's aligned with us politically. Uh, who lives in New York, uh, but we were talking and he, and he said, you know, do the Republicans actually have somebody who could be a viable candidate in 2024 um, who is not, let's say, incendiary like Trump? Right. And, you know, uh, has all the policies, but that. not the personality, so to speak. But who, who could still be a leader yeah. and carry the down ticket, yep. and is the Republican Party really prepared to deal with all the election issues? 
You know, uh, I remember before the 2020 election, we had a discussion. It's not the candidates. It's not the issues. It's who counts the vote. Right. Wow. Was that prophetic? Yeah. So uh, I hope they're getting ready to deal with that in 2020 and in 2024. Boy, I hope you're um, right. I hope you're right. I, I, You know what, Smitty? It was sad to see the scramble after November 4th, the scramble to get a few lawyers here and there. You know, I hope we have those guys locked and loaded and ready to rock now. You're right. Yeah. And look, I, I by the way, the discussion on fraud, and I hear it all the time, and I, I uh, you know, there's no widespread fraud. There was widespread fraud. There has been in every major election. That's yep. illegals voting, people voting out of their, not on the rolls, yet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The only question is whether there was enough of it to affect the result. And the only way you get to that is by having a forensic audit. Thanks, Smitty. Sorry, I got to take the break. Bless you. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, and thank you for spending some of your time with us. Discussions about uh, who's in charge of the children and take the line from Terry McAuliffe that parents are not, when they send their their children to school, in charge of their uh, children's education any further, raises another question I'm not sure we're able to grasp quite fully just yet, which is, okay, well, that's obviously wrong. Um, it, it is the parents' job. Uh, it is the parents' purview. But who's teaching the parents? Who's teaching the parents? My teacher, Harry Jaffa, was asked that question once, and I liked his answer. He said, we're not using the term in its literal but in its general significance, who's teaching the parents. It's a matter of great good fortune that we have an inheritance as civilized beings from a tradition that is more than 3,000 years old. Our possibility as human beings is decisively created for us by the civilization we have inherited, which civilization does provide us with more than one principle of moral choice. But it is not an arbitrary or infinite spectrum of choices. Aristotle says at the beginning of the seventh book of the politics that the man who was a perfect coward, who was frightened by anything, and a man who would sacrifice his best friend, who was so intemperate that in order to get food, he would sacrifice anyone or anything for his immediate appetite, would be a miserable human being. I think we do have rational knowledge of the highest degree of certitude as to the value of the basic moral virtues for a good life. I don't think anyone should be at liberty to choose between virtue and vice as principle of choice. Legal, sure. As principle, no. The basic moral virtues of good life. It is our job to take Aristotle's teacher, Plato, and understand what he meant at the end of the Mino to find the key that unlocks all of that, which we used to know. Until tomorrow, God bless you all, and class dismissed. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.